2: Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. A show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third being the Foxtrot. Because we're very graceful here, I don't know what you were thinking. Get your mind out of the gutter. Before we get started, remember all the engagement buttons. Hit all of the engagement buttons. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Reminder, we are Super Chat Live. YouTube Super Chats will get priority. We will not get to all questions, but we will get to all Super Chats. Mr. Geary, how are you this Friday evening, my friend?
3: I'm fantastic. I had... um a Nashville chicken sandwich with a um, cinnamon toast crunch milkshake. So I'm feeling pretty groggy right now, but I am ready for food for thought and I'm ready for tie done. I'm ready for tie done and we're ready for spices. We're ready for a spicy
2: episode. I think you having cinnamon and you having Nashville hot chicken was really, it was all part of the master plan to really talk about spices. And that's what I want to get into right away because I heard A take recently that was sent to me via you, where somebody said cinnamon was the worst spice. And I got to be honest, I think I could come up with a couple that are worse than cinnamon. Way worse. If you are in the comments section and you would like to chime in on what the worst spice is, you're welcome to. But I'm going to go ahead and start off. The worst spice for me is allspice. Now, Allspice is used primarily in Jamaican food, Arabic food. You have sections of the globe that rely heavily on it, right? Caribbean jerk seasoning, mm-hmm. heavily use of allspice. It's one of those things where it always sounds better in my head than it does actually when I'm eating jerk chicken. And I always think to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for this. Caribbean food, yeah, let's do it. But nope, it just doesn't happen that way. Side note, I had someone very wise tell me not too long ago that the difference between Caribbean and Caribbean is whether or not the word is used as a noun or an adjective. Wow, really? It's it's pirates of the Caribbean, but it's a Caribbean jerk season. So if it's an adjective, it's Caribbean. And if it's a noun, it's Caribbean. I'll level with you. I have absolutely no idea if that's actually true, but it totally tracks logically in my head and yeah, that's no. the way I've been doing it ever since. So for me, allspice, although it is actually in the berry family, believe it or not, allspice is actually in the berry family. It counts as a spice because spices can be berry based. So, knowing that, that's my least favorite of all the spices. Nate,
3: you got a take? Yeah, I've got a couple of takes. Uh first one is cardamom. I don't I don't know what it is. I I don't know. I, 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 when have
2: you, what have you experienced cardamom in your life?
3: Uh, in a latte, uh, maybe a dessert here or there, like a baked good. And mostly they just keep saying on, on Great British Baking. And I just want to know, like, okay, well, what does that actually taste like? Because I've never been anything that it's ever been with. I've only tasted the thing that it's been with, so like vanilla cardamom is something that I've had uh, in a latte, and I was like, okay, so it's like vanilla latte. Where's the cardamom? I really wanted to finally know what it tastes like. So I'm gonna say it's cardamom, but I've got to say star anise is the worst spice of all time. Oh, it is that was such a good take. It is friggin' trash. I don't. It is like it is made out to be this like superior spice, this you know uh, high level, high end flavor. Uh, But, oh my gosh, it is, it's terrible. It's right along the lines of like, what's, uh, it's not a spice, but it's definitely, what would you consider fennel?
2: Fennel's a seed.
3: Fennel's a seed?
2: Yeah, fennel's a seed.
3: Okay, well, they're all in that black licorice, weird, terrible tasting family to me, but star anise is by far, again, I I can't tell you how many times I've had it or like the distinct taste that it has, other than to tell you it's not good.
2: Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And I I, we, I keep trying to find things that really work for each one of these spices. So I think, well, I don't like it in this, but maybe I'll like it in this. And let's be honest, nobody is interested in card mom and nobody is interested in star anise. I don't know who out there is all on board with these kinds of spices and like, yes. That's exactly what I want. Now I can get started on herbs. Now this is part where I get a level with you. I get a little bit hot ticky when Failed it comes to herbs. herbs. There's mm. a lot of herbs. I'm not a huge floral guy. So for me, I'm not a bay leaf guy. I'm not a time, a person. I do not like time essentially okay. at all. I'm okay with Rosemary in certain
3: options. Rosemary is fantastic.
2: There are certain types of bread that I think Ooh, yeah. do really well with like an Asiago and a Rosemary but i'm just not i'm much more of a spice guy than an herb guy so the the more you shift away from spice and the more you shift toward florally seedy you know things like fennel yeah. things that are Ugh. more, more plant based i'm not i'm not into it now part of that's probably just cuz of upbringing right i wasn't born in a part of the world where these things are very common in your cooking but i just could not get on board, Joe says he has the anti-cilantro gene, and ironically, I'm also not a I love cilantro. Fan, not a huge cilantro guy myself. I kind of think it tastes like cleaning products sometimes. Not going to lie,
3: i not I've a big owned, fan. It, so the other one too. Uh, you you mentioned when we were talking about fennel. I've somebody actually recently made fennel well, and I was sort of thrown away, thrown off because I just have I, I've never thought to enjoy it. But if we're talking about an herb, I think would we consider dill? in the herb family.
2: Yes, absolutely. Fennel, they are with fennel. Yeah. Fennel is in, is a, like a, is a root vegetable, like, like a carrot. So fennel is that you see it oftentimes used with, you know, they use seeds and things, but absolutely. If cilantro is in there and if fennel is in there, absolutely. That's in there. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, otherwise I'm still, I I kind of want to go back to the beginning of this, which, which is where the cinnamon comes into play. And not only is cinnamon the best spice, uh, Bruce. But oh it really no, might no, be no, no, no! Far and away the best spice.
2: Oh well, no, no, no,
3: let me tell. Ta- hold on, before I say that, I think you have to try to separate spices into two particular categories. One is like a savory spice, and one okay. is like something you would use in in a sweet nutmeg, um, cinnamon. In this in this case, because okay. I I would say that on this on the sweet side, a dessert type um spice okay I am all in on cinnamon being there. the best I the only reason that I can't say cinnamon is the far and away best spice out, out of the whole lot of them is because I am full-on addicted to crushed black pepper corn I yes yeah black pepper on everything so my girlfriend uh the other night had a couple of friends over and you know I, I said do you want me to leave like you know you're having your friends over and uh, she's like I was like no I'll play Xbox. So I was just playing Xbox, whatever. But then I found out she was making homemade cacio e pepe, and I was like, "Hold on, sweetheart. I will be eating that, so you will be making extra of that." She, it, so I love cacio e pepe because it just is black pepper and it's cheese, and those are my favorite things with fresh pasta. Uh, but I got, I got a little, I got a little pushback because I kept putting pep, more fresh pep, ground pepper on it. She says, "Well, I, it, there's already tons of pepper," and I said, "Well, it's not enough." uh, crushed black peppercorn is by far and away the best spice. No questions asked. No, no, no competition there. I am. I am
2: all in on that. I am all in on black peppercorn, freshly cracked. That's fantastic. I have a a sneaky one for you and it's cayenne and I'll tell you why it's cayenne. Mm -hmm. I think that cayenne in small amounts is a game changer. I think the problem is people are a little heavy handed. With their cayenne, I'll give you a great example. Charles G says smoked paprika. A lot of people put paprika on their deviled eggs. That I do not smoke put paprika the on the deviled eggs. I put cayenne pepper on the deviled mm. eggs. Creates the same amount of visual appeal, but gives a little, bit, a little bit of something on the back end, especially if you make your deviled eggs with honey mustard instead Mm. of yellow mustard, and then you put a little bit of cayenne pepper. It balances that out. The balance, you get the vinegar of the mustard, you get the sweetness, you get the spicy. It's really complex.
3: It really works. How can I describe how I want to say, is it a dry heat? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Like a drier, I don't know that that makes sense, but that's the only way, like, it doesn't really... I don't know, there's something about cayenne that doesn't really do it for me. That's why I go the sm- the smoked paprika route. It's not heat level, but it's for whatever reason it's it's a it's a plainish hot. There's not a lot of depth of flavor to me to cayenne. So it's just kind of that balanced li- little layer of warm heat, not like crazy heat, but the flavor profile to me just doesn't do it for me on on the cayenne. I have a countertake. That's the point.
2: Do you, you get that. You get, you, you get what I'm saying can, though, right? Yes, I do. You can okay. get a little bit of that heat without completely taking over okay. the flavor profile of whatever it is you're eating, which is exactly the way reason that you would put it on something like a deviled egg because you're still having a deviled egg. You're just getting a deviled egg with a little bit of heat. So with cayenne, you can take anything and you can say with a little heat, with a little heat, with like a habanero, for example, right? Then whatever Ooh. it is you put it in, that's now habanero. Like that's just that's it that's that's what you did, right? And so I, I with just, cayenne, you can get a little bit of heat on top of whatever you want. It's a complementary flavor, which I think spices are supposed to be complementary. I don't think spices are supposed to take over whatever it is that you're eating. And so for me, that's why I'm such a such an intre- incredibly
3: strong cayenne proponent. We can we can end up creating and maybe this is for next week a full our first full segment going into spice level and mm-hmm. the the preference or or your limits for spice but as someone that can tell you right now what my limit is habanero is my limit i can't i can't even really get to habanero my girlfriend got me i'm a big pickle guy i love pickles um really of anything pickled anything pickles and pickled items she got me a uh, a valentines pickle bouquet had all sorts of there, – there's a place here locally called Barrel and Brine, and they it's do very great, romantic. fantastic – it was very romantic. It had two pickled peppers, okay? And they were small, and they were almost like heart-shaped, which is why I'm sure they use them. But they turned out to be habaneros, and I did not know. And it was a pickled habanero. And it was small. And I looked at her, and it looked like a sweet pepper. So I said to her, this looks like a sweet pepper. It's a Valentine's Day gift. It's probably a sweet pepper. I'm good. She's like, yeah – I." sure. I'm sure it's fine. So instead of doing the, the, the prudent thing, which is just taking a little, I bit the whole into the whole thing. It, it was, it was the hottest, it was the hottest thing i had ever put in my mouth. And I, and I kind of felt like a baby because I told them like habaneros, I like habaneros are spicy and they're usually, I know my limit is habanero, but this is like five on top of that. So, uh, but again, we can turn that into another, cause I know we have to get into our, 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 you know, uh, Patriots bills were a meal segment here, but I I think spicy threshold is, is a good topic for next week, Bruce.
2: I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Let's, let's keep, let's keep it on. How much spicy can you take? And also we need to go ahead and just start the takes right now that if you're not into things that make your eyes bleed, you are not less than less of a man. So we need to get that out of our cultural okay. discussion as well. Agreed. But moving along, if Bill's pass was a meal, so you had it on a Monday night, it went down a certain way for you.
3: I've got Nate, it. I'm ready. If you're I'm ready, go ahead. I'm ready. I, I've it. been sort of waiting on this one all week. So Monday night's Bill's Pat's game. If it were a meal, it would be a well-done steak. The reason it would be a well-done steak is it's Monday night football and it's steak. It can be burnt steak, but it's still steak. I'll probably still eat it. It's sort of like pizza in that way, or like bad pizza's still pizza. Bad steak is still still good steak in my or it's just steak in general. But a well-done steak, when you order it the right way at the table, you order your medium rare, but it comes to you as a well-done steak. There's a couple of things that start going in your mind. Okay, is this my fault? Whose fault is this? Is it the coaching? Is it the defense? Who do we want to blame? Was it embarrassing for the defense? Was it embarrassing for the offense? Is this on the coach? Is this on the waitress? Is this on the chef? Did he overcook it and not know it? So for me, this game, or I should say that Monday night game, is a lot like a well-done steak because I'll still take it because the Bills are still in the hunt. They're still in the playoff hunt. Not only that, Bruce, but with a win... Frankly, they don't need a win. They can lose on Sunday to the Tampa Big Buccaneers and still win first place in the division. So it's still steak. I'm probably going to eat it still because I I don't really want to wait for them to cook another one while my entire rest of my the my, my party is eating their meal. So I'll settle. But next time, I'd like my steak done medium rare. And we'll ha- in three weeks, we'll find out if we can get that steak right.
2: Now, I'm pretty upset. Because I had something that I thought was very clever that would help me attach two running bits that have been currently going on in Food for Thought. And then Andy Anderson comes into the comment sections and steals it. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill's Pats is the eggnog on Nate's desk. Before I go into that, Ooh. everybody take a look into your video screen and see how the eggnog is showing up for Mr. Geary. Cracking people forward.
3: It's cracking.
2: It's literally trying to escape its confines at this moment. So this is the reason why Bill's Pats is the jar of eggnog. The further away you are removed from the purchase and potential consumption of the eggnog, the better it sounds. When the Buffalo Bills were getting ready to start this season, pretty much everybody thought they would sweep the Patriots. They swept them last year. They kind of figured that was going to work. The closer and closer and closer you got to Bill's Patriots Monday Night Football, the worse and worse and worse it sounded. Then when it came time to consume it, you didn't really want to. And now after the time has gone, it's not really getting better. That, my friends, is the jug of eggnog on Nate's desk. And the reason why Bill's Patriots is that. Moving along, <laughs> looking for schematically things against the yeah. Buccaneers. We're all going to yeah. keep our eyes on things. The Buccaneers are the defending Super Bowl champions for a reason. They are a good team for a reason. They were, ironically enough, at one point in 2020, seven and five, but we have a hard time imagining that this team beating the New England the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this time would be anything less than an upset. So tell me, what are you looking for? schematically against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nate, what
3: are you keeping your eye on? I think a lot of this lack of belief, Bruce, comes from lack of trust. Uh, this is a Bills team that has lost three of their last seven games. They have not won back-to-back games since September. So I think what this comes down to, Bruce, is there's just a lack of trust right now with how this team is built and how they're winning football games. They were beating the the, the teams they A, should beat, but there's a couple of games on this on this schedule now that they should have won and they didn't. This is a team right now that's 0-4 in one score games compared to 5-1 last year. So this game schematically is going to come down to whether or not the Bills can get themselves into a shootout. And I was listening this morning to Joe DiBiase and Sal Capaccio on the Extra Point Show. And they were talking and-, and Joe had mentioned, like, if the Bills get into a shootout, that's where I trust them. That, that- That's a- like this is a good matchup for the Bills because the secondary is not good. We know that um, uh, Richard Sherman is back in the lineup, except he's being moved and playing safety for the first time in his career against this Bills um, offense that is struggling we know that they're the number one run defense in all of the football and they've been for the the last two years Vita Vay is the best one tech probably right now in football their defensive line is mean it's physical and it's it, like the Bills they can rotate seven eight nine guys um, and not really miss a beat so that defensive line trying to run the ball of quote unquote establish the run is going to be even harder this week against a really Really damn good defensive line from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but even more so, Bruce, it's this idea that this is still a team you can trust in a shootout. And I just don't know there's any evidence that this offense is trustworthy in a situation, even against inferior defensive backfields like we're going to see on Sunday um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because this is the same offense that could not throw the football on a two and 12 or whatever they're, they're two and 10. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team. So I think for me, trust. I trust last year's Bills offense to do their thing against this pass defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sure I trust that this 2021 version of this passing offense to get in a shootout and beat Tom Brady, who right now is the league's MVP.
2: For me, I'm thinking of about the Buffalo Bills and their obsession with two-dimensional offenses. I think I'm thinking about the Buffalo Bills and their obsession with being physical at the line of scrimmage. I want to know how far you're willing to take this. That's what I want to know for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, How far are you willing to take this concept that you want to be physical? Because are you going to try and out-physical Vita Vea in the Buccaneers' defensive line? Like, are you so obsessed with the idea of what you want to be that you're going to steer away from the thing that you are? Or are you going to try and prove a point that you can go in there and punch Vita Vea in the mouth? Because good luck. Did you see him get his luck. teeth knocked out? That guy doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. He was laughing about it.
3: that That's he a looked, psychopath. He, You're not out he, physicaling that guy. No,
2: he looked like he had actually been to the dentist and was still on the anesthetic. He was at that happy gas and he was walking around going, this, this, is, this is good. This, this is a good stuff. This is big with the stuff in the face and things. So that's what I want to know. I want to know if your commitment to your offensive identity And what it is you think you would like to be is so strong that you are willing to do something that's probably not going to work. And if it doesn't work, if you come out and you run the ball, you know, let's go 45% of the time in the first quarter and you get nowhere with it. How committed are you to that? Are you going to adjust or are you going to keep going? No, no. Physicality is more important. The concept is more important than the thing that actually works. I want to know how committed they are. So for me, that's what I'm keeping my eye on. But right now, what I'm keeping my eye on is Mr. Tyler Dunn. And I'm keeping my eye on him because he's right here with us, joining us on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to have Mr. Dunn with us. Ty, how you doing, man?
1: Great to be here, fellas. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a A few weeks in the works, I've been a, a little bit of a prima donna, you know. Confirming this, Nate. Nate's been super generous to keep coming back to me, so I'm glad we could make this happen. Appreciate you having me.
3: Hey, listen, from, coming from two primadonnas, this uh, this is this is a good trio. So uh, there, there's no hard feelings there, <laughs> brother. Um, yo, so Ty, uh, part of the reason that we 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 wanted and we're excited to have you on. First of all, it's your debut, so congratulations. Welcome to Food for Thought. Um, we, i usually don't do this but you you just hopped on uh late so i we've been running this social experiment here tyler um which is i have uh i tried eggnog and i didn't like it so um what i did was instead of you know doing the normal thing which is throw it away i've been uh, conducting an experiment on it and uh this is how the eggnog which has been sitting on my desk for four weeks this is what it looks like Ooh. and that's the um that that's the condition of it so i just I wanted you to know what this show's all about, uh, which is about really obscure, uh, just mostly bad takes about food and football. So I'm hoping that you fit in because you and I both have uh, female counterparts that are <laughs> known for their food ability and their ability to make and, and have takes on the food. We are just known as the eaters, if you could tell.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> Two kids, you know, you try to work out, but it really doesn't do much. It's, you he know, it, Yeah, it's. We're doesn't. very lucky, right? Like they, they want to cook, they want to go out to eat. Where we hit the jackpot, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Nate. So, yeah, I always joke with Gina, like her, her Instagram is feed me buffalo, and then whenever I try to like make something like a grilled cheese or like throw something on the grill, I'll take a picture of it and call it a feed me shituffalo. You know, so it's. <laughs> It's not the best, you know. It's edible usually. Yeah, right. It's usually, a lot of leftovers. I love just like garbage plating it. You know, just throw a bunch of crap together, douse some franks, red hot, red hot sauce in there, and call it a day. But, but yeah, where we're very lucky. Well, even the people in the comment section
2: know who they have with us. <laughs> the right. king of shopping cart etiquette <laughs> is here. Holding you who do not know
3: people in power accountable.
2: Absolutely, for those of you who do not know, Tyler Dunn is famous for his belief that whether or not you return your shopping cart to the shopping cart corral in the parking lot is the litmus test for whether or not you are a moral upstanding human being
1: did i did i do a good job there i think you nailed it it's uh it says everything you need to know about somebody i don't care if you're a, a senior citizen you know what i mean you had the energy to go shopping in that wegman's right in that Lowe's, in that Home Depot, you went row to row. You did what you had to do. It takes not even a minute, not even 30 seconds to push the cart into the corral. It says everything you need to know about somebody, man, woman, it doesn't matter where you come from, right? All walks so, uh, of life. That's right. All walks of life. So we got to call them out. You know, I I, I try to catch them in the act if I can. Uh, there's, I spook it up a couple times and just kind of got a look. Didn't really get much of a reaction. So if we can just spread the awareness, I guess uh, that's all we can do. Right, fellas?
3: Especially this weekend, Tyler. The wind's supposed to be crazy tomorrow. Oh I God. don't want any dings, nicks in my vehicle for you being lazy.
1: Completely. I, that, that, that's what it comes down to, right? There is damage done if you don't do this right. People so, was, people. You know everything you need to know about a human being by that. You know, what they do with their shopping cart. How they play basketball is a huge tell. Are you selfish? Are you diving on the floor?
0: Taking you know, are you chuck?
1: Yeah. Right. Are you taking charges? Are you playing defense? How competitive are you? And then how you treat a waiter or a waitress. Those are the three things, right? Are you are you an asshole or are you kind? I so mean, what if- you're
2: saying is if I am at a job interview or if I am going on a date for some reason and I would like to ascertain – the fitness of this human being, what I should do is take them to the grocery store first off Mm -hmm. and then take them out to dinner, but order basically nothing because obviously, you know, you don't want to spend too much if you don't know if they're a good person yet or not. So basically I'm just going to see, see how they behave in these particular circumstances. And then I'll know whether or not they're a good
3: person. Oh, and then
2: and then play pick up basketball yeah. with them. It sounds that's like a wonderful date. One.
1: Yeah, it sounds. That's, that's the me, big we have to one. do
3: three things today to determine whether or not I'm gonna have a second date with you. And we're right. gonna start by going to uh, the Hamburg playground, and we're gonna go play pick up basketball in December. I, I need to know your
1: character. You
3: know, well, you
2: know what? Well, you know, I should I should have done that on the first date with my wife. I just I, <laughs> huge huge mistake. I got lucky, you know, because she's a goddess, and I got lucky. But I-, I didn't know if I wouldn't have done these three things, Miss I could have been in trouble.
3: This Nolan right. is definitely diving in the front row, diving into somebody's nachos oh, to unquestionably. save the ball. Unquestionably.
2: 100%. Unquestionably. Okay, so I, like I want to talk a little bit about this. We want to talk a little bit about the thing that we were just discussing before you came on, and that was the Bills and identity. Because something has been coming along this year when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. You saw it with the Titans you saw it a little bit with the Jaguars. You saw it with the Colts. You saw it with the most recent game against the New England Patriots. And that is this idea, this concept, this narrative that is starting to take form that the Bills struggle with physicality. The idea that the Bills might be front runners. They don't like getting punched in the mouth. Obviously these narratives start to form because every team is a little bit different. Every year a team has its own storyline and its own character arc, like a 10 episode season. It starts at the beginning and you don't really know where they're going. And then halfway through, you're like, okay, I think I got a good idea, but I hope it wraps up well. And then you get to the end and you're like, okay, I saw the character arc. Well, now we're in the middle of a character arc for the Buffalo Bills. And I got to ask you, this narrative that's starting around, where do you fall in this? Being somebody who's part of the fabric of the community, but also being someone who has covered many, many, many other teams, right? Good teams in regards to specifically the Green Bay Packers teams that were very, very, very good. This is, you've seen enough other teams close up and personal to be able to understand what a physical team looks like, what a soft team looks like, what a front runner team looks like. Where do you fall on what the Buffalo Bills team is in
1: 2021? I loved your breakdown and the analogy of a TV show. It's so true. I feel like we're in, what, like season six or seven of Dexter. Like it really peaked with the Trinity Killer. And now it's just like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's a soft football team. You know, I wrote it after that Colts game. I mean, that's really all I kind of had to see. And it, it it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a finesse team, to be a front-running team. That's what they were – at this point last season, they're blowing teams out by 20, 30 points. I mean, just blowing them out of the water, blowing New England out, San Francisco out, doing whatever they wanted to do offensively. Josh Allen was facing man defense like all the time and just tore it up. They were blitzing them, and he tore that up. And, yeah, I think if you're a front runner, good things just tend to happen. You know, I really believe in momentum. I, I know that's a whole other discussion, but they had the momentum, and they were just crushing teams. They didn't really get punched in the mouth. Until when they did in the AFC Championship game, they, they kind of freaked. They kind of lost their composure. By the end of the game, they're they get into fights with the Chiefs. And I think this season, you know, schematically, there's that discussion where, yeah, these teams kind of reacted. They saw that the NFL was going to this improvisational quarterback, this backyard game. And the Bills' calculation was to, to beat Patrick Mahomes, to play that game, to go lighter, softer, you know, the DBs are, are, aren't what they used to be. The linebackers are built a certain way. They paid Matt Milano a lot of money. Offensive line, you know, you poured more money into that, but they're not road graders. They let a road grader and, and Wyatt Teller leave the building. So it, it seemed to be that that was the way the NFL was going, and then the smart offensive minds decided, nope, we're just going to bludgeon you to death with a running game. We're just going to send Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, New England with Ramondi Stevenson and Damian Harris at you and win like it's 1968, and the Bills aren't prepared for that. Game. They just aren't they, – they can't play that game. They can't pretend to be somebody they're not. So, yeah, they're, they're a, a a soft kind of football team in the physicality department, but I think in the temperament department where if the getting's good, they'll dance all over your grave, and that's awesome. It's fun. You know, I've done these stories. I've sat down with Dion Dawkins at – okay, oh where did we? We got pizza downtown Buffalo, and um, you, you talk to these guys in you know, the Isaiah McKenzie show that we do. It's a fun team. Right, they, they feed off of that fun. They feed off of that momentum. But I don't know if they're prepared to play this kind of football game right now. It doesn't seem like it. It might be too late to really change who they are. If they're going to get out of this, they're going to have to throw their way out of it. They're going to have to mm. try to force teams yeah. to play that shootout. And I don't know if you can do that right now.
3: Ty, I, I think about this offense as sort of the, the – the, 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 The epicenter of the identity crisis. And the one thing that you can say about Brian Dable, Josh Allen, about their offense in 2020 was their ability to adapt. Okay, right. Uh, What is it? The Ravens and the cover zero blitz that just befuddled that offense. Okay, well, they figured it out. They moved on. They pivoted and they found a way to beat it and be successful against it the Dolphins don't even try to do it against them anymore because they're, they're too scared. The man coverage thing, right? Like early on, it was man coverage and pressure against Josh Allen. Those were the things that, that was the recipe on him. And then a year later, man coverage and pressure. Those are Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the top rated quarterback and, and passer rating um, and completion percentage in both of those categories. So why is it that we're in week 14 or whatever we're in here, fifth, uh, week 13, and we're saying to ourselves that it feels like Tie. This is how I guess I would try to equate what I'm seeing from the Bills is they're a poker player that was in on a big hand and they lost three quarters of their pot. And what they've decided to do now is... I just want to can, I, I want to win back. I want to just win small hands here, small hands here. And I want to just stick around and I want to play because I don't want to leave this table and I don't want to go back to my Vegas hotel room. It's only midnight. I was supposed to play, play before. <laughs> so like that's kind of where this offense is. And I'm wondering, Ty, like is there a pivot left in this team? And is it as simple as going back to some of the things that worked really well for them last year, Ty? Because it feels like I don't like to use the word like lazy. But it feels like from the play calling to the execution, there just isn't. Maybe the word, the right word is magic. Maybe that's the right word. That that magic that they had in 2020, it just doesn't appear to be
1: there right now. I know. You're right. It it, it, it doesn't. I, I think, you know, it is. There is a lot of X's and O's involved. Like, you know, the sitting back with the two deep safeties. I know that's been, that horse has been beaten dead yep. constantly every week. But there's a reason for that. It's true. Like, teams are sitting back. Works. And... Right, they're in zone. They're forcing Josh Allen just to think a little bit more. The line isn't that great, so he's under a little bit more pressure. And he he did miss a couple throws at the end of the game. Well, Josh Allen was incredible, I thought, in that wind. Like, you got to give him credit. Like, he he, once when they did give him a chance to throw it, he made throws. He just couldn't catch the ball. But that last drive, you know, know, Jim Monas made a great point in our podcast. Like, you got to hit that back shoulder throw. I know it's not easy, but that's why you're paid – you know, unlike any quarterback in the game next to Patrick Mahomes to make that play. So, yeah, I I think that that play just hasn't been there. When the opportunity does show up and you get that chance, he misses that throw or he's under just enough pressure where he doesn't see digs what the play before across the middle. So they're just off. But I I, I get I kind of get frustrated when I hear a lot of fans just say, well, you know, they, they, they only gave up 14 points. You know, they only gave up 200-whatever yards. Um, you know, if you take away that one long touchdown yes. run by to Damian Her- like oh, Get I mean, out of here. with. It's not to the to take game away is a, play. Yeah, yeah well, let's just take away wide right, you know, and they'd be Super yeah, Bowl champs. Be good. So, yeah,
3: it just, would just,
1: just take that away. Take away that Derrick Henry run, the Jonathan Taylor run. Like, you, no, it happened. Yeah. And anybody who watched that game with the 50-mile-per-hour Gale Force wins – knew it was a different kind of game, and there, it, the game isn't played on an Excel spreadsheet where the Patriots are telling you, we are going to run the ball every play right at you with power, and you can't stop us, and they couldn't stop them four yards at a time, five yards at a time. They, they controlled the line of scrimmage, and there is something to the psycho, the psychology of football. And it's played by human beings. And if you couldn't stop this team when you knew it was coming, that's demoralizing. And that's why I thought it was embarrassing.
2: I got a question for you about that physicality. I got a question for you about the embarrassment. You assume for a second that the Bills are not going to bring in a street free agent who's going to change the physical culture of this team. Let's just go ahead and do that right off the bat. So if you wanted to become something you're not, if you wanted to be able to tap into some of that physicality. I I bring this up because of what Richard Rush said in the comments that Brown and Doyle are nasty blockers. I agree with that. Doyle is not ready to play in the NFL Mm -hmm. right now. He wasn't ready in the preseason. He's not ready now. Um, He may look on paper to be a similar athlete to Spencer Brown. In movement, he is a very different athlete than Spencer Brown. But if you look at the Bills' current roster and you think, okay, this guy's going to have to set the tone on physicality. a lot of names don't pop up for you. John Feliciano pops up for you, but who knows when he's going to be back and activated from IR. When you look at this Bills team and you say, okay, this guy's going to set the tone from a physicality standpoint. Spencer Brown is a rookie, right tackle? Maybe not in the right position to be able to set the tone from a physicality standpoint. Where do you go? Where do you look to this team and go, okay, this guy. This guy is going to set the tone. This guy is going to bring the energy. This guy is going to show everybody that we're not going to be messed with. This guy is going to show everybody that we can punch back.
1: Who's it going to be? It's a fantastic looking question. <laughs> you know, I, I think if, you know, even last season when you go 15 and four and you're blowing these teams out, your offensive line, I mean, they're moving backwards pretty much the whole game. They didn't run the ball a lot last season. I mean, their best runner was Josh Allen most of the time. So it's so embedded into the fabric of the team and the way these linemen think and move and play. Like, I don't think it's in their DNA to all of a sudden just start kicking ass. It's – and that's no knockout. I, I don't even think these are, like, bad players across the board. Like, they're really good – not really good. They, they've proven to be competent pass blockers for the most part back to last season. They're not road graders, and the scheme isn't a Greg Roman scheme. It's not this high-tech, zone, power mix where you're going to be able to confuse teams at the line of scrimmage and, and use Josh Allen and do all these creative things like the Ravens do. That. Brian Dayball, he's a great offense corner. Like I said today, like, shudder to think if David Cully and Rick Dennison are leading your offense. Like, throw Brian Dayball under the bus all you want, Sean McDermott, which was crazy. I, I was surprised. Shocked that he went to that length after the game. It could be a lot worse. Brian Dayball is a very good coordinator, but he isn't a coordinator that is going to run the ball. And The personnel isn't as such to run the ball. I think it's too late to just find a player or a play or something magical and just turn into this team that can play that kind of game. I mean, they're going to have to try to bait teams into their kind of game in Foxboro, try to turn that into a shootout. Now Tampa Bay, I mean, it could be a good matchup, right? Their secondary is not any good. Um, Maybe it is a shootout with Tom Brady. It very well could be, but I I don't know. I I feel like there's there's still a a lot of teams in the AFC that are going to be a problem for Buffalo. And if you do lose this game to Tampa Bay, the season's pretty much lost, right? It's pretty much a must win. Yeah.
2: Sorry. Go ahead, Chris. When you look at Brian Dable and you look at Brian Dable. And you say, okay, well, he's not a coordinator who's going to run the ball significantly. The ironic thing about this discussion is that we we get so tied up in narratives now that we forget what the narratives were just recently. And with Brian Dable, when he came in as the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, the book on Brian Dable was he had never coordinated a top passing offense ever. <laughs> he had always been a guy who was, I mean, the Jamal Charles year the Peyton Hillis year, all of these big rushing years happened with Brian Dable. And then you go back and say, okay, one of the people who was detracting from Brian Dable would say, oh, he's not somebody who can, you can trust to develop a passing offense. You go look at his quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Castle was the best quarterback he ever had. I'm sorry, Brady Quinn. If you're an avid listener to this show, but (laughs) the fact of the matter is that Brian Dable built strong rushing offenses before he got here because That's the question because that's the question. So I want to know this. Is this a scenario where Brian Dable is just playing the cards he's been dealt at this point? Like, because it's not like he's incapable of having a significant rushing offense. We know that's not the case. But at the same time, can you have both? That's my question. Can you have both? If you want to be a physical downhill rushing team, if you say, you know what? Sean McDermott, you're Right. We want to be two-dimensional. You know what, Sean McDermott? You're right. We want to make sure we have the threat of the run of the ball. Because Brian Dable had one half of it years and years ago, and now he's got the other half of it with Buffalo. But it's so rare to to see both. So my question is, can you do it
1: without pulling off the other one? And even if you could, should you? That is a a great question. And yes, I think you can. To bring it back to... What well, you brought up earlier with the Green Bay Packers. So I covered that team uh, living out in Wisconsin from what 2010 to 2015. And you saw that, like, this two deep shell look, it's not new. Like, after the Packers went 15 and one, and Aaron Rodgers set the NFL record for passer rating, and they had all those receivers on the cover of sports illustrated. I mean, what you had Driver, Jennings, Finley, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. I mean, they had weapons all over the place. It was insane. That they went kaput in the playoffs against the Giants. And the next year, teams really sat back with those two safeties. They dared the Packers to run the football. They couldn't do it. James Starks was you know, local kid, great player, but hurt a lot. Ryan Grant wasn't the same. Um, I think they drafted Alex Green the year before. He was okay. But they, teams were begging them to run. They couldn't really run. So they went, I want to say, 11-5, and five, flamed out. Then they go out and they draft Eddie Lacy. And he is a very large human being who, when he wasn't 265 pounds eating his way out of the NFL, there was a short window of time there for two years where he did bludgeon teams, and they were in the NFC Championship game. And if Brandon Bostic doesn't botch that onside return, if 18 things in a row don't go wrong, if any one of those things go right, they're in the Super Bowl. Maybe they're beating Tom Brady because they did respond, because they had this prolific passing game. Aaron Rodgers was doing whatever he wanted to in 2011, a lot like Josh Allen in 2020. But they were able to do both. They went to Eddie Lacy. Now, fast forward to this year. I know Aaron Rodgers is having a very good season for his age. Unbelievable. A.J. Dillon, right? They Give Brian Goodigan's credit. He drafts 250-pound dude with 8% body fat with thighs like tree trunks. And – that is really what your offense can run through this time of year. Spent a Aaron lot of Rodgers. money
3: on Aaron Jones, though, uh, and, and you got A.J. Dillon. But that, that that's – trust me when that that's a separate conversation. I want to ask you one more, and then I kind of want you to tell people um, a little bit too, Ty, about the, the piece you just did um, about Wyatt sure. Teller because it was fantastic. But um, before you promo that, I, this was kind of the, the the question for this podcast, which was I think we both believe there has been a – fundamental shift in how Sean McDermott is managing football games. Is it as simple as just saying he believes in his defense more now than he did last year? And that's a cause for a lot of more, because defense equals conservative offense equals aggressive. And and I guess that maybe shouldn't always be looked like that, but I think that's how this is being perceived.
1: I think Sean McDermott is a defensive minded coach, obviously that just thinks Give me whoever quarterback, get me to 14 points. I'll take care of the rest. I think that's his I think that's his mindset. Let's not forget that he trotted Nathan Peterman out as his day one starter after maybe the worst game a quarterback's ever had. The fact that he was on the roster is mind-blowing, let alone starting the next season and then doing the same thing. I don't know how intelligent he is when it comes to offensive football. It's just not his thing. I think he just wants to manage a game, right, like you said, kick some field goals. Get a touchdown here or there. Let me deal with the rest. I'll keep them out of the end zone. We'll win in the red zone. We're we'll forced a couple turnovers. We'll see how far that takes the Bills. I mean, that's why I'm pretty critical. I don't see them getting over the hump with it with that kind of coach, that kind of coaching, and it it's a weird balance, right? I mean, that's why I like Bruce's question because you can do both. Mm-hmm. You can be this throw it around team that also is able to run the ball, but the, they don't have that AJ Dillon – on the roster. They don't have nasty linemen on the roster like Green Bay does. They don't have that 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 switch and that you know give Aaron Rodgers credit to I'm sure he's doing stuff at the line of scrimmage to react to what the defense is doing. But yeah, I don't know about Sean McDermott and um you know, it's it's weird. It's like an identity crisis with the managing of games like kicking that field goal against the Colts. You know, it's windy, it's crappy out, you can't stop a nosebleed, and you kick that field goal. Like, what's that going to give you? I don't really know. Uh, and it was, it was strange. You know, I know a lot was made in, in that press conference out of, you know, Jerry Sullivan, who, speaking of pickup basketball, we used to play five, six years ago. He's got a three-pointer, man. Yes, Believe it or not, does. Sully – he Uncle Jerry,
3: <laughs> Uncle Jerry can shoot. He's also a decent golfer. Don't 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 let his uh don't let his geriatric yeah. uh his 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 whole his whole shticks uh fool you at all. He he's an athlete. Man.
1: But it's like you would have thought that he was Tremaine Edmonds missing the tackle on the Damian Harris touchdown, but by the reaction of a lot of it, i I couldn't believe like, okay, again, he's a columnist. He has said his job is to provoke. That's his thing. But like it was a fair question like it was a follow-up question to Adam Benini. who they're, they're talking about this run defense it's historic you know we haven't seen a team win throwing the ball three times since what 1968 whatever it was and um so yeah I mean I get it if Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are upset look it's right out of the game you don't want to be talked to like that whatever yeah but to be that incredulous and and really Sean McDermott did the same thing and kind of blamed the offense was pretty interesting to, to basically say, What do we do? Oh, well, no, we it. held them to 14 points. And yeah, they kind of, you know, nobody's really talking about that out of the reaction. So yeah. I, I don't know, I thought that was interesting.
3: The other thing, too, is there was a national media conversation about a Sean McDermott quote. And I can't imagine, I, I, I imagine the next time that Sean McDermott has to talk post game, he will say, less than nothing now because now he's been he's he's had his words weaponized against him and sean mcdermott is the guy that that wants to be known as the guy that says nothing and the fact that that belichick quote got talked about the way that it did after the game i think more than likely was taken out of context in how he intended to say it but it's how it sounded i mean he it sounded like he was saying like listen this isn't big bad bill like that's how it did kind of come off so i i will say that for sean
1: I think Matt Fairburn asked a fantastic question, and he got a good answer. He got yes, some he a, some ra- a rare human answer out of Sean McDermott.
3: We will, like, by the way, Ty have uh, Matthew Fairburn on this show for the uh, for the Bills' Pat's next matchup, and that'll good. be one of the things I ask him about. But like Matthew Fairburn is a Buffalo beat veteran. That guy knows exactly which part of the apple not to bite into. You know what I mean? <laughs> he,
1: yeah, I mean, and it's true. Like, I think everybody. I was just talking to Matt about this. We got a couple beers earlier. Great catching up with him. Just you know, I'm biased. He's one of my best friends, but you know, he, he noted like in that, in that Seth Wickersham book that everybody should read on the Patriots. Yes, they should. A, a, a big chunk of that. I mean, you read it is the psychology. I mean, Bill Belichick has gotten into coaches heads. There are specific examples of that. You see it like it's, it's active coaching on his part. He knows what he's doing And it just seemed like that night he was in Sean McDermott's head. Sean McDermott so uncharacteristically losing his damn mind on the sideline, going ballistic. I mean, it was different. We hadn't seen that. And the decisions he was making were different. The way he talked up to the game was Belichick esque you know, effusive with his praise like Belichick is with his gamesmanship. I think he does kind of want to be this mini Belichick like a lot of other guys who have tried to take him down before were too.
3: And listen, if you don't think Belichick had some payback on his mind from last year, you're, you're sort of, I'm sure he, right, had, throwing he missed the-, the play. Oh yes. Throwing <laughs> the phone. Oh yeah. All right. Listen, Ty, I, I, we could talk forever. Tell us a little bit about this. Why teller piece that you just came out with. What else you got working on? Um, so the people listening can, uh, can, 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 uh, mark their calendars appropriately.
1: Appreciate the opportunity, fellas. And if you want to keep going, I, I, got, I got time here because there's still a little bit of beer left in this one. But Beer uh, o'clock. Speaking of <laughs> – yeah, you know, I think um, kind of back to that press conference too. You know, it, the Bills aren't – it's not exclusive to the Bills. This is an NFL thing where, you know, the, the locker rooms are closed. They're not letting this COVID crisis go to waste as a league. You know, it's – they don't want us in there at talking to these guys, building relationships – figuring out why, you know, what went wrong after a loss. And I think the fans might look at that and be like, yeah, you know, screw the media. We don't need that. We don't care. Well, you're, you're the ones pouring millions of dollars into this product. If this is about you. You're, you're sitting out in those 50-mile-per-hour wins. You're, the NFL does not exist without the fans. They deserve to have a peek behind the curtain on what the hell's going on with the team, the inner workings of a team, whether, that kind of story. Or a, a personality profile, getting to know a player beyond a 10-minute press conference where things are rehearsed and cle- often cliched. So honestly, that's a big reason I launched Go Long a year ago, just to kind of zig where the NFL is kind of zagging and, and just be different. It covered the NFL for 12 years now, whatever it is. Have relationships all over the place. I want to just get to know these guys on a different level. So that, that was the Wyatt Teller story. Um we just hung out right at his house in Westlake Ohio uh, had a couple beers he, had, he got his finest whiskey out Pappy you know very expensive I'm, I don't know why he wasted it on me uh, and just bullshitted just, yeah just told stories you know he is I think he's everything we love about football like he is this return to physicality and violence and taking people out very I think we're um, subconsciously drawn to a Wyatt Teller. Right, because the NFL is legislating violence out of the backfields because he can't touch the quarterback. Out of the secondary, you can't hit receivers. But in the trenches, it's still football. He can still hit. And Wyatt Teller's pancaking people every week. So that was kind of the impetus for the story. We, we talked about how he got to where he is and, 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 and being this viral sensation on Sunday's. And obviously, Buffalo is a big part of it. You know, the Bills drafted him. The Bills had him. He's exactly what they need right now. And they let him walk out the door. So we got into that as well. And he broke, you know, he broke a kid's sternum when he was four years old in his first practice. And then he broke another kid's sternum in high school. So those were just insane stories that you'll read too.
2: Well, I too have broken many sternums in my day. I, I just thought I'd, I just gotta one up somebody. Holy cow! This, you got it's the like, Godfather a, of violence over here. That that's almost yeah. more
3: that's almost more synonymous than MacGruber stealing throats. You know, just ripping yeah. throats off. That that's even a little bit more. That's a little bit more. I think violent, to be honest.
1: McTeller he said it's not like he's, He he said it's not like he's like literally in your chest, sure. yeah. grabbing your heart out. But you hear a pop. It's like a. You know, it it is a visible, and the one kid's eyes just rolled back in his head, and it went from, yeah, to get help, get help, he needs help. Um, I can't imagine, you know, that. If there was
2: an offensive lineman in the NFL who knew the five-point palm exploding heart maneuver, then I would guess it was Wyatt Teller. Anybody out there with a Kill Bill reference, I'm down for it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here on Friday night and joining us while we had a discussion with Mr. Tyler Dunn. Tyler, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and uh, say, say hello to everybody.
1: I appreciate everybody reading, listening. Um, honestly, Buffalo really makes Go Along possible. Uh, this is home. This will always be home. We ain't going anywhere. We know where our butter, or our bread is buttered, so we will definitely keep the Bills content uh, churning. But golongtd.com is the site. Um, you can sign up to the free email newsletter, uh, so a lot of stories are for free, or you can subscribe get all the exclusive stuff. Um, we had Eric Wood on a happy hour throwing some beers back with subscribers. Steve Tasker is going to be on next week, hopefully. So a good time to uh, become a subscriber, I think. And on Twitter, if you want to hear some you know, terrible NBA or shopping cart or Jim Croce takes, at Ty Dunn. Ty, thanks so much for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, brother. Thank you, guys. Anytime, man. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, brother. Talk to you soon.
0: And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Mr. Tyler Dunn from golong.com. As a reminder, Mr. Tyler Dunn and all of our guests are brought to you on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline. Nate, I thought that was a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. I think that one of the things that is interesting about having a discussion with Tyler is that he is a national media member, right? Mm -hmm. Who is invested in the Buffalo market. He's got one foot in the market and one foot out of the market. And so because of it, he can say things that other people aren't going to say, and he approaches (laughs) it from a different angle. Yep. Than other people approach it. And I think that whether you agree or disagree with the specific opinions, I think it's valuable to see them and know where they come from. I think it's valuable to know what Tyler's background is. I think it's valuable to know the relationships that he's got with Jim Monos, for example, right? He has understandings with Jim and with Doug Whaley and with previous Bill's members of the front office. And so he's got this, Weird, hybrid scenario that no one else is in the specific scenario that Ty Dunn is in. Nobody. He's got this halfway in, halfway out. He's like Blade. Ty Dunn is like Blade. If any of you don't remember, Blade was a vampire, but he was a daywalker. He could walk during the day and not be damaged by the sun's ultraviolet radiation. So basically, Tyler Dunn is the daywalker. He's Blade. And so because of it, it becomes a more interesting conversation than you're going to get from a pure national media member. And it becomes a different conversation than you're going to get from someone who's on the Buffalo beat. It's this weird hybrid. I don't know if you feel like that too, Nate, but it's, it's weird. And And so because of it, it's this, it's hard to describe really, but whether or not you are nodding your head to Tyler or you're shaking your head to Tyler, you're going to hear something that is delivered from a different angle than anybody else you're going to listen to. So I, I, I value that quite a bit. We are going to move on because we don't have a lot of time and we've got two emails. We want to make sure we get to the first one is about diner burgers. For those of you who were not on this episode Uh, last week, I specifically said that when I go to a diner, I typically get a burger and I had an email from Christopher Nixon who was telling me the reason why you shouldn't get a burger at a diner. Should not. And he said, the reason, yes, shouldn't. He said, okay. the reason you don't get a burger at a diner is you can get a burger anywhere. When you go to a diner, you get something you can only get at a diner. When you go to a seafood restaurant, you get That's seafood. Point. There's likely a burger somewhere on the seafood restaurant menu. I actually respect there is on that on a steakhouse, a But – You don't order the burger at the steakhouse, the seafood place, or the diner. You get a burger at a burger joint or at a shitty chain restaurant where they can't do anything else right because the burger is hard to mess up. That was the email from Christopher. Verbatim. Love that. So this is my response to Christopher. Diners are, by their very nature, things with massively broad menus. They always are. That's one of the things that makes them a diner. You don't go to a diner and have six things on the menu. That's not a thing. You go to a diner and they hand you this cheesecake factory-esque novel that it becomes your menu. And you basically need to bust out your reading glasses and maybe smoke a cigar while you're reading it. And because of that, I don't think there is something that is only you can get at a diner. What types of things? And I would, listen, if a diner was a specialty restaurant, okay? If I was going to a diner and it was a specialty restaurant, you could only get that at a diner. Then sure, I would buy that. And I would agree with your take. However, by very nature, diners are jacks of all trades. They're supposed to be the jack of all trades, master of none. They're supposed to be that. That's what they're designed to be. So as such, this whole, you get it. You don't get a burger there because you get a burger specialty places and you get diner specialties. There are no diner specialties. Diners do, do they do eggs and they do breakfast and they do burgers and they do meatloaf. Listen, their meatloaf isn't as good as Mrs. Nolan's. That's not happening. So what? I can't get the, I can't get the meatloaf then. So I, I I'm just I'm completely out on the response because I don't think diners are specialty places. Now, I'm not even gonna give Nate an opportunity to respond to that because it was really directly at me. Because I want to move on to the next take and it's from Jr. Jr. says, "Dear Bruce and Nate." I wanted to give some food for thought to the Bills Mafia family. When I was in my early 20s, there was an all-night diner that my friends and I would frequent. And yes, you absolutely get a burger at a diner. JR, your check's in the mail.
0: The food was average <laughs> at best. Your royalties are in the
2: mail. That's right. The food was average at best, but that's not why it was a good memory for me. It was staying up late, hanging out with my buddies. The same can be said about our team, particularly this season. I was recently diagnosed with colon cancer in stage four. I really would like to see my team, I've watched my whole life, win a Super Bowl before I die. But it's not the meal, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. It's the fun we've had as Bills Mafia family together. We win together, we lose together. I bring up my ammo to make a point. There are several members of family that did not get to see our team be transformed into what it is today. Poncho did not get to see the playoffs last year. But when they were alive, it was the memories they had with their Bills Mafia family. Let us enjoy this season, whatever the outcome may be. The food, the time we spend together, that's the best food that the rest of the NFL fan bases do not have. Cheers. JR Cheers is right. that. The reason why we do food for thought, right, is not just because we love to talk about spices and cinnamon, stick our pinkies out and talk about spices that are a little bit rarer and think, well, oh, gosh, you know, look at Bruce Nate, are hoity-toity out here with their crazy spices. But really, it's about the idea that the reason why we love food as a culture is because it brings people together that's why we love it and the reason why we're supposed to love sports is because it brings people together the unifier it's 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 hilarious you know i mentioned this years and years ago on a on a different podcast but the thing that makes sports fascinating is that sometimes it's all you need and what i mean by that is In that brief moment, when you're in the stadium with somebody, I'm not, mind you, I don't go to games, but historically, if you were in a stadium with someone, in a hypothetical world where Bruce went to a stadium, the guy sitting next to you, who's chugging the beer and cheers with you and gives you the high five after the touchdown, you don't know a darn thing about that guy. Don't know him. You don't know if he's aligned with you on anything at all. Religion, politics, you don't know where he's come from, you don't know what he's been through, but in that moment, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The the fact that you love the Bills and they love the Bills, that's all that you need for you to have a best friend in that guy for the next three hours. That's what's supposed to be special about football. And somewhere along the line, we lose that. Somewhere along the line, we get so obsessed with being right and getting our takes correct and being right on the X's and O's and all this stuff that we just completely forgot. The reason we fell in love with it together was somebody you fell in love with it with. It was your father or your grandfather or your uncle or your spouse. You fell in love with the game with somebody. That's the point. And that's the same thing that food does for people. It brings them together. And football is supposed to bring them together. We almost named this podcast Foodball. I was inches away from naming this podcast It was close. Foodball. It was close. It was was close. Foodball was almost there, but I thought, yeah, I was going to have to spell it too many times. It was just going to be a problem. It's a little bit like naming a kid, something that's not phonetic and knowing that that kid's going to have to explain and spell their name. 327 million times over the course of their life. It's a little bit like that with football. And so for me, when I read Jr's take and I read Jr's email, that's what I thought is that food and football are supposed to bring us together. And that's Mm -hmm. why we do food for thought. So. Damn straight. Do you have any comments, concerns? I know I just completely went off the deep end there. No, I I got up on my soapbox, and I just started pontificating wildly. I'm sorry about that. Isn't that what the podcast is for? Come on. For me to pontificate? No, I have a different show for that. So do you. You have Sports Talk Saturday to pontificate. I have the Bruce exclusive to pontificate. And then this is the Venn diagram overlap. That's food for thought.
3: Of a bunch of nonsense coming together to sound (laughs) cohesive, which is what – yeah, right. I mean, that is what this show is for. No, I – Listen, you know, I I I think this year I I started the season on my shows, sort of saying, okay, this was this was the Super Bowl ride this year, that that was what we were all under the impression of, right? And I thought it was important that we didn't lose sight of the small things, which is just the week to week, the process, the the pregame shows, the postgame shows, the the half times, right? The the tailgates, all of that stuff. Um, you can kind of get lost with the bigger picture, and I think that their lack of success this year or maybe not lack of success but maybe their marginal success this year um has sort of brought us all back
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all in one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on No. (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products.